It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios. In Lake George, New York, I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912 to a, find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. You know, we uh, we talk about that with uh, when Alex does the uh, blast from the past. He, he does the matchups, and he always uses the Title Bout. Check it out. Now, it's not a graphics-based game, uh, but statistically-wise, there's no other game like it. You can get yourself a copy uh, right now by visiting our website, billycboxing.com, and clicking on the title about banner. Uh, or you can uh, get one for free. I'm going to give away one later today. Today's show is also being brought to us uh, in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now. While you're watching or listening to this very show, just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Or if you're looking to get a signed copy, just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Or you could just click the book and buy it and pay regular price on the website as well, billycboxing.com. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week uh, boxing channel, uh, we are on all the major uh, streaming services, and you can get all the information uh, at GinecoUSA.com. Uh, sign up today. Uh, punch in the uh, code Billy C uh, to uh, to get the uh, uh, to get the discount. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, the programming that we have up on uh, Billy C Boxing Channel is pretty good. Not only do we replay these shows, uh, but we have uh, all the events we've done over the past 15 years. Uh, 24 hours, seven days a week, and we update uh, the uh, programming uh, every 30 days. So uh, if you've watched it and you stumbled across the same show, uh, you know, because you're going on at the same day, same time type of thing, uh, fear not, because that all changes once a month. So uh, great stuff up there, great stuff. All right, today's show, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, several things. Uh, first and foremost, the Triple G uh, Sergey Deverenchenko uh, fight that took place uh, yesterday at Madison Square Garden in New York City. What a fight, man. I mean, we've been treated to two great fights over the past two weeks. Uh, last week, of course, Sean Porter against uh, Errol Spence Jr. in an action-packed welterweight fight. Well, last night uh, we were treated to an action-packed uh, back-and-forth uh, middleweight fight. And uh, at the end of the night... Officially, uh, Triple G improved to uh, 40 wins, one loss, one draw, with 35 of his wins uh, coming by way of knockout uh, with a uh, real close unanimous decision uh, over Sergi Deverenchenko, who drops only the second fight of his career. So now he's got losses against Danny Jacobs uh, and uh, 
uh, Triple G. Uh, 13-2 uh, now. Uh, 10 wins uh, coming by knockout. Uh, Triple G, 37 years old, in my opinion, looked every bit at that age. Um, seemed to uh, uh, be a little slower than normal. Uh, seemed to be uh, hurt uh, a little bit uh, by body shots. As a matter of fact, uh, he was hurt uh, seriously, I thought, uh, backed right, right away. He also seemed to run out of gas. Uh, you know, Abel Sanchez, not in his corner anymore. Um, is that making a difference? I don't know. The judges scored at 114-113 and two had at 115-112. I personally scored the fight 114-113 for Triple G. I, like everyone else, gave uh, a 10-8 round in the first. Uh, but I was contemplating scoring that very round, 10-9, okay, uh, because I didn't think Triple G dominated the round. Yes, he got the knockdown, and yes, I ended up giving him a 10-8. But I can always hear Larry Hazard in my ear, uh, you know, saying to me, you know, all these judges a lot of times automatically give a fighter 10-8 uh, if there's a knockdown. And, and, you know, I hemmed and hawed to myself uh, about scoring at a 10-9. I thought Devrinchenko was was the aggressor in that, in that round and really during the whole fight. I mean, he threw more punches, landed more punches. And uh, to tell you the truth, I thought he landed the harder shots. Uh, but at the end of the night, uh, I scored the fight 114-113 in favor of Triple G. Uh, Golovkin, uh, I gave uh, rounds 1, 3, 4, 7, 8, and 10. And uh, Devorinchenko, I scored him uh, 2, 5, 6, 9, 10, and 11. Um, you know... I'm sorry, uh, I also gave uh, round 12, uh, not 10, to uh, to Triple G. Uh, that was a mistake in my notes here. I gave him uh, round 12, not 10. Can't give both fighters the 10th round, right? Um, you know, I, you guys, if you listen to the show any length of time, you know I'm not a big fan of Andre Rozier. I, I do think he's one of the worst trainers in boxing. Luckily for him, he's got two of the most talented fighters uh, in the sport today, uh, obviously Daniel Jacobson uh, uh, and uh, Sergey Devorinchenko, I, I think is a talented fighter. I love this kid. I could see why Canelo didn't want to fight him, and uh, you can make the argument that Daniel Jacobs uh, uh, might have uh, squeaked out a, a, a win, a close win, just like Triple D G did last night. Uh, but you know, I, first of all, I, if if Andre came up with the game plan. Um, it was a good one. The game plan was attack the body, be relentless, keep coming forward. And Devorinchenko did that throughout the whole night. There was no question about that. Um, but where I think Andre Rozier failed, aside from looking like uh, a whale uh, getting into the ring uh, in between rounds, I mean, maybe he should consider passing the buffet lines every now and then. I mean, is he putting on weight or what? But uh, uh, nonetheless... What kind of instruction did he give Devorinchenko during this fight? I mean, really nothing. He was the Zen master, you know, uh, saying, you know, just trying to keep him going mentally, which I, I understand is part of the game. But, you know, obviously the fight was close. If they thought that they were wearing down Triple G, which they seemed to do, um, and Triple G started bracing himself for the body shots, which were hurting him. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, as a trainer, you need to try to outthink 
not only the other trainer, but more importantly, the other fighter. I, I thought that maybe Rosia should have uh, tried to mix it up just a little, just a little. You know, I mean, Triple G is guarding his body. Why not go for the head? The one guy's going uh, in the corners going, you know, try to overhand right, try to overhand right. And uh, Andre Rozier um, never uh, never supported that. Um, as far as uh, Triple G is concerned, um, I don't know if he was following direction. They told him to con continue using his jab, which seemed to be uh, uh, Devorinchenko's weakness. Uh, and at times he did. Uh, and he, he tried to go back to it, but I think the aggressiveness of Devorinchenko uh, proved to me that Triple G uh, has aged. And the other thing is, um, Triple G doesn't like to get hit. He immediately starts backing up. Um, the other issue is, uh, Triple G is specifically a headhunter. Uh, I thought maybe he tr should have tried to go to the body a little more, and he didn't that much. Um he also seems slow to me. He seems slow. Uh, another comment I want to make is uh, about the referee. Uh, Harvey Doc, in my opinion, is one of the best um, referees in the business today. Uh, but Harvey missed two extremely important uh, things last night. Uh, number one, the most important thing he missed, and his biggest F-up, if you will, uh, was calling that cut a result of the headbutt. I got to be honest with you. I saw it, I counted two accidental headbutts in that whole fight, and uh, uh, none of them uh, were early in the fight. Uh, as a matter of fact, it wasn't until the eighth round where I saw the first one. Um, he clearly missed it. Now, now I don't know what he was watching. We had the luxury of the uh, of the replay, and we clearly saw that it, that it was from a punch. But, but what made it worse was that the New York State Athletic Commission, which seems to always get it wrong, they seem to always get it wrong. Um, you know, they, they live or die by their own, own people, so to speak. And because Harvey Doc called it uh, a, a result of a, a headbutt, they stuck by it. Now, on one hand, you could say that's cool, right? But I, I was a promoter in New York State. And, you know, I had to deal with the New York State Athletic Commission m many times as a promoter and then uh, also as a matchmaker and, and uh, involved with different sanctioning bodies, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, they're, they, they favor their people, whether it's a New York fighter or, uh, in this case, a, a referee that they put under employment, because remember, Harvey Doc's out of Jersey, um, to a fault, you know, the same thing happened with uh, 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 Mago when he went down. Um, you know, New York State Athletic Commission has a tendency to overdo it, and they always seem to pick the wrong way. And by them standing by a clear mistake by Harvey Doc um, was wrong, in my opinion. Uh, I understand that they're, they're trying to, uh, you know, limit controversy, but Harvey Doc made a mistake. Uh, you know, he's in the ring. He should have saw it. Uh, he doesn't have the benefit of the replay. But like I said, I didn't see any uh, un I didn't see any intentional headbutts, and I certainly didn't see any unintentional head clashes. I, I I counted two, unless I missed them. I don't know. The other mistake that I thought that Harvey made was stopping the action before the sound of the bell. Now you got to put an asterisk next to that uh, because the truth of the matter is 
is, you know, the crowd was, was really into it. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, so, you know, you have to, uh, uh, you have to give uh, uh, credit uh, to, uh, you know, uh, to Harvey for, for being, uh, you know, conscious of trying to uh, stop uh, the action uh, in the event that, um, you know, the bell uh, did ring. But in this particular case, it didn't, you know, and they did seem to, uh, um, you know, um, fight a little after the bell on a couple of occasions. Uh, so in this case, he got it wrong. And uh, as a result, uh, there were uh, a couple of shots uh, uh, landed that maybe uh, shouldn't have uh, taken place. But all in all, I thought it was a, a fantastic fight. And uh, I thought that Harvey did a great job, except for those two mistakes. One being uh, not calling that uh, cut as a result of a punch. Uh, instead, he called it uh, as a result of... Uh, uh, unintentional headbutt. Joining us right now to get his thoughts uh, from beautiful St. Simons Island is my main man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. And how are you today? I'm doing very well, my man. I'm doing very well. Great action-packed fight Good. last night. What was your thoughts? Oh, Billy, you know, this is the kind of fight that, uh, you know, fight fans just thrive to watch. And uh, I couldn't say, you know, I think that cut was pretty bad, and it was by a glove and not a head, in my humble opinion. Um, and I'll tell you what, you know, here I was in that in that little pained mode towards the end of the fight, saying I can't believe Triple G is blowing this because he just he looks like a little different fighter, and he's still still good where he needs to be. But uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going through his head right now. He uh, he needed that win last night, but he needed it in bigger fashion, I think. But uh, I think I think he'll continue maybe one more fight. Uh, I don't know. I don't know though. I almost want to see him retire. He took more punches last night than I've ever seen him take. Sal, you you you're a, a pro fighter, and you actually uh, came back, uh, set a Guinness Book of World Records with the. Uh, the length of time between professional fights. So I feel that you're an expert on this question because uh, despite how you always kid with me, uh, how you want to even make another comeback uh, now, but the truth of the matter is, is I think that Triple G showed his age last night. I mean, he's 37 years old, uh, but he seemed a, a little slower. He seemed, just like you said, he seemed to take more shots. And the shots seemed to be affecting him more than I've ever noticed. And then the other important thing was he was he was tired. I, I'm I'm shocked he made it to the last bell. He was huffing and puffing uh, really hard by from the eighth round on. Do you think age played a factor? Oh, I I've, I've never seen it before, uh, ever so evident than last night. And you know I was trying to think what is he going to do to gracefully bow out i mean i don't want to see him get hurt and it is a fight game he is a warrior they both both these fighters were warriors and uh i couldn't believe some of those exchanges i don't know what he's gonna do and i i don't know what he should do i think he should either come up with a real nice speech and dialogue and said you know after last night's fight i uh, I'm, I'm i'm glad i had my unanimous decision which i couldn't believe but i still was 
grateful and glad to hear that. Uh, and let me know maybe the age is catching up and I don't think I want to subject myself to any further harm that I might incur in the future. I mean, I, I don't know if he could say that. I don't know if he could be ready to retire. You know, he's still, he's still, last night, either one of those guys probably would have had a good rumble with, with, uh, um, the heck. Canelo. I can't think of his name. Canelo. Canelo. Yeah. And, uh, Canelo, after his last couple of fights, like I said, Canelo earned my respect. And I couldn't believe, you know, if Triple G got in a ring again with Canelo, what might happen? And I, I just want it to be for Triple G in a good way, but, uh, to be an objective fight fan, you got to say, hey, you know, maybe he is past his prime. Maybe he is, the time is catching up with him. And, you know, maybe he did get a little lucky last night, which, in all due respect, I think he was due because of all the ripoffs he's gotten lately. And, you know, the poor guy, he's been critiqued over and over and over from a losing standpoint. Like, well, he's not this, he's not that, he's not doing this. And, you know, I, I feel bad for the guy because he's got, he's like President Trump, you know, he, he can't do any good, any right. I, I couldn't believe how I heard the commentary, you know, just talk about all the things that he felt he was doing wrong and he's catching up and he might be in the fight, he might not. And I'll tell you what, I thought when they said it was United decision, I thought it was going to be a ripoff again. Well, and, uh, well, you know, I, I tell you, it, it was a hard fight to score. I, I mean, I had it one fourteen yeah. one. I had a one fourteen one thirteen for Triple G. Basically, I gave them each six rounds, and the knockdown was the deciding factor for me. Um, but, uh, but you, you know, to me, it seemed like Devorenchenko was landing the harder, more, more damaging blows than than Triple G. And I also agree with what you said. It seems like he can't do any right because. Immediately, even even the mistake, and and I love Harvey Doc, but he, he clearly made a mistake calling that uh, for the cut from an unintentional headbutt. Uh, whereas it was, you know, well, we had the benefit of the replay. We clearly saw it, it was from a punch. Um, but yeah. you know, the, the the other thing is is uh, getting back to the Canelo. You know, Canelo uh, was no surprise that he uh, was trying to to catch. Triple G in this vulnerable position, older, you know, with some wars under his belt, etc. And I'm with you. I don't know if Triple G actually stands a chance against Canelo at, at this point. If the same Triple G fights uh, Canelo, the version that we saw last night, uh, you know, Canelo is a more talented boxer than Devonchenko was. Devonchenko clearly was the aggressor, had power in both hands and beat up the body of Triple G that slowed him down and hurt him throughout the fight. Uh, and then if you factor in, you know, some some hand speed and some movement, which Canelo possesses, I, I, I can't see Triple G beating him, Sal. No, I really can't. I can't. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'd like to see is, is if Triple G is going to get carried out of the ring and, uh, you know, that concerns me. I mean, I couldn't believe the punishment both fighters dished out and both fighters took. I was expecting to wake up to the news 
and here one of them is in a hospital, or both of them were in the hospital for observation, which would not have been uncharacteristic. You know, they just they just took a beating, both of them. And if I had to say who was really crisper and, and looked more ready to deliver the telling blows, it probably wasn't Triple G. But I'm just glad he won, and I'm going to be really eyeing what his next move is going to be, if if any. Uh, I think he still feels the passion and the fire about fighting. But, you know, I, I just don't want to see such a warrior who, who blessed the boxing networks with knockout after knockout ever get really hurt, even though it's the game. I don't want to see him get hurt. You know, um, Triple G uh, seemed to... Um, be getting bothered by by the body work and if this was uh, you know a fight that took place in in the era in which you fought and it was a 15 rounder I'm not so sure Triple G makes it three more rounds I thought Devrinchenko seemed no. to have more gas in his tank um, but my my last question for you Sal is you know Triple G is not really known for for being a, a super body puncher I mean he obviously lands body shots but his, uh, you know, he's knocked out his opponents uh, generally to the head, and and uh, you know uh, he's able to set his punches up with a with a really crisp and, and powerful jab. But last night, I thought that maybe he should have tried to to work the body a little more from Devrinchenko uh, against Devrinchenko, because Devrinchenko was so successful working his body, and I, I would have thought that his corner might have tried to employ that. Uh, to try to, to keep Devrinchenko off him a little bit because he was uh, sticking to him like glue. Do you think this... Yeah, no, I mean, do you think, number one, he should have worked the body? And more importantly, number two, remember, this is not Abel Sanchez in his in his corner. It's Jonathan Banks, no. uh, a guy that he hasn't worked uh, with all that long. Uh, and, and I'm wondering if, if he's missing uh, a guy like Abel Sanchez, that comfort zone... You know how it is when you go back to your corner and, and you hear and see that familiar face and, and hear that voice that you're working out with right. over and over and over, year after year after year, and he doesn't have that anymore. And it, it just seemed like they didn't change much. Uh, neither did Devrinchenko, but there was no adjustments. I noticed that neither fighter made adjustments during this fight. What's your thoughts? Oh, you, you just read that like a book. And uh, they didn't make the changes. And, you know, Triple G, they should have been drilling him and instructing him, step to the side, left hook to the belly, right to right to the liver, you know, and uh, right to the spleen, uh, left to the liver, you know. And, and I didn't see that. I didn't see that from the corner. And, yeah, was it because he was in unfamiliar territory with a corner he wasn't so sure or comfortable or confident with? Well, if that's the case, then he should never have used that corner. Um, but the bottom line is they should have instructed him to step around the side, come in with a left hook, right to the liver, and uh, left hook to the liver, right to the spleen. And I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of the urgency again like he did with Canelo. There wasn't that sense of urgency from Triple G. And A, was it because he's, he's older, he can't really sustain that kind of level? Or B, was it just because, uh, you know, he fought his heart out and so did the other guy, and 
it was a war. It was a war. And like I said, I'm surprised both of them didn't have an observation in the hospital last night. It was definitely a war, and we got uh, uh, treated back-to-back uh, uh, -back weeks of, of uh, action-packed uh, uh, old-school uh, type fights. So uh, I was uh, I was I was definitely psyched and uh, happy about that. Sal, I appreciate you uh, getting up early with us this morning, and uh, we look forward to you next week. All right, buddy. I'm going to watch this fight again and uh, see how I score it. But uh, I'm just grateful that Triple G won this fight, and I will look forward to the next fight coming up with you, Billy C. Thanks, Sal. Have a good one, brother. Thanks, buddy. You too. Bye-bye. That's Sal Rocky Senecola giving us his thoughts uh, on the fight uh, from last night. And again, if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking about the Triple G, uh, Sergi uh, Devonchenko fight uh, from last night at Madison Square Garden. Uh, it was a great uh, fight, in my opinion. Um, my only uh, issues that I had was, uh, uh, one, my man, Harvey Dock, who I think is one of the best referees in baseball, uh, baseball, in boxing. I don't even, I don't even, I'm not even, my team's been out of baseball, so I don't even know why I said that, but uh uh, he's one of the best uh, referees in, in the sport of boxing. Uh, he missed it last night. He definitely missed one, uh, calling that a, uh, uh, the cut uh, from an in unintentional headbutt. Uh, it was clearly from a punch. And uh, the only other observation uh, that I had across the board was the fact that neither corner seemed to make adjustments. Uh, in Devranchenko's case, it, what he was doing was working. Uh, but it, it wasn't quite enough. Uh, you know, it's funny that uh, when uh, the whale, uh, Andre Rozier, was asked, he, he said, I mean, he was at least honest when he said, I think we're a little behind in his fight because of the knockdown. But when his fighter was in the corner, he was singing a different tune. Um, but he, he didn't make any adjustments, you know. So if you feel your fighter's behind, make some adjustments. I just felt that the body work was so effective against Triple G that I, I think at some point, especially in the later rounds, maybe, uh, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, um, Devranchenko should have went to the head. Uh, Triple G was covering up his body so much, even after he was snapping a jab out, he was bringing his elbows re really close down to try to prevent the body work. I mean, maybe fake a shot to the body and, and come up to the head. Uh, Triple G was, was extremely jumpy and uh, was anticipating the body work. And he was anticipating it correctly because that's all that was, was coming. Uh, Triple G, on the other hand, uh, was trying to use his jab, but he was limited because he was focusing on protecting his body. Uh, and the other thing was is the other punch that seemed to uh, get to Devranchenko, aside from the crisp jab, uh, was the uppercut. The uppercut landed uh, several times uh, in that fight. Uh, listen, I'm going to take a short break, and when I come back, Dax Khan joins us. We'll get his thoughts on the fight. Don't go nowhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. 
you're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now uh, is my man, uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How are you making out today, my man? I'm a little uh, bothered by this sudden temperature drop. Yeah, right? It's uh, it's getting bad. At least... At least uh, we, uh, you know, I, I, I can't stand, getting off of that for a second, I can't stand the new system we have uh, where it's such a hassle to bring your uh, uh, camera shot in, but it's working and the sound is working, but it seems like when I create it, I, we, we're losing our commercials. So I guess the uh, commercials, the lack of commercials is great for the viewers, but uh, not so good for us if you know what I mean. But anyway, Triple G, Devrinchenko last night. What's your thoughts, brother? That was a great fight, huh? Oh, God, yeah. It was, um, you know, I was talking the other day saying I was surprised at the minimal buzz that this fight was getting. You really didn't hear much at all. Um, forget about the fact it was just Triple G and, um, you know, a top-notch fighter like Derevchenko, but it was a middleweight title fight against the very best, you know, two of the top guys in the division, but everybody seemed very disinterested. I don't know if it was because the Derevchenko loss, you know, in boxing nowadays, you lose one time and all of a sudden, you know, you're not marketable. Same thing with the Triple G draw and the loss to Canelo. So I have no idea why fans, um, you know, at least on social media and that, were not really uh, overly hyped about it. But, you know, it was a great fight. It was a high-level, con- high-action contest. So um, it might have been even better than uh, the Spence and the Porter fight, depending on, you know, what you like. I thought that it was uh, extremely uh, entertaining. There's no question about that. Um, I, I thought that uh, uh, the cut was clearly from a punch, but we got the, the beauty of uh, the replay. How did you score the fight, Dax? I scored at 114-113 for Triple G, and I was hemming and hawing. I said at the beginning of the show, I was hemming and hawing with myself about that first round because although I ended up scoring a 10-8 for Triple G, I kept hearing Larry in my voice, Larry Hazard, and, and, you know, he's like, oh, you know, automatically judges give a 10-8 round for a fighter who gets a knockdown. But, I, you know, it was close enough, the round, but, I, you know, really, if that knockdown doesn't happen, I'm giving that round to, to, to Deverinchenko. What's your thoughts? Hey, Deverinchenko wasn't hurt. I mean, you know, always look at, you know, the fighter's eyes when, when they're going down. Or, or as soon as they hit the canvas, if you know, if you can get a look into their eyes, that usually tells you how hurt they were. And Drevenchenko, his eyes were very clear when he went down. It was, um, you know, it was it was a good punch. Uh, make no mistake, but I think he was a little bit off balance. He wasn't expecting it. So, you know, I agree that uh, that could have been a 10-9 round. But you know, traditionally you score a 10-8, so that's how I scored it. But I did have it 114-113. Um, that was my score on uh, Twitter last night. And just for a note, real quick, Bill, anytime after 8:30 at night. If our account was on Twitter, Billy C is sleeping. That is me. I don't know how many people ask me or refer to me. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. It's not Bill. Where's Bill? He's been sleeping since 4:30. Yeah. <laughs> you are so you are so right about that. You know, it's uh, it is kind of funny. I feel bad because I see some of those. You know, the next day, and it's like poor Dax. You know, I mean, uh, people don't realize I'm in my feety pajamas by eight o'clock. Hey, listen, if it's a wild and crazy night, I'm up till nine. You know, that's why these fights they kill me. You know, but uh, uh, anyway, you know, one thing I, I I clearly thought in this fight, Dax, was that. I didn't see much of adjustments on on either side. 
Now, from Devranchenko, I, I give credit because what he was doing was clearly working, working the body, etc., etc. But as the fight wore on, Triple G was defending against the body. I would have thought that a, a quality trainer would have turned around and said, you know, okay, you know, faint to the body and, and, and come out to, you know, come back to the head or something. Uh, Triple G was clearly running out of gas. Uh, he was being hurt by the body shots. But even his corner with Jonathan Banks, they weren't making any adjustments. Jo Jonathan Bank was, uh, Banks was trying to keep him focused on the jab. Do you think that... that that's true, or am I am I just barking up the wrong tree? No, you know, when I score the fights, after each round, you know, I, I score, and then I put a little note in the round why I scored that round for who I, who I scored it for. And, you know, all my notes, you know, states on there about when Drevenchenko is pushing the pace and he's bringing the fight to Triple G, it seems that these punches that don't really look hard coming from Triple G, they don't really seem to be landing that hard. They must have more steam behind them than we realize because obviously we're not taking them because that's when Derevchenko would either hold or take a step back. Um, Derevchenko, I'm sitting there screaming at my screen going, do something different. He sees that left hook coming all night long, and Triple G kept going after that left hook. He would uh, throw it twice. The first time, he would catch Derevchenko with it, and then the second time, Derevchenko would automatically duck because he knew that left hook was coming. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's um, because Derevchenko was um, applying so much pressure and he uh, was so busy that Triple G just wasn't able to like really adjust. I, I don't know why he haven't, hasn't done this in the past, but you know, definitely Derevchenko was you know a couple of steps ahead of him. It could it be those almost 400 fights between the amateur and the pro career, uh, being 37 years old. If you look at the body of Triple G, who was never really a muscular guy, but now his muscles are starting to get that long, thin look of a guy you know that. Uh, you know, a 37-year-old fighter. Remember, a 37-year-old fighter is a 55-year-old regular guy. Um, I, speaking of age, I, 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 I clearly thought that Triple G uh, aged. Um, uh, you know, not so much in the ring, but coming into the ring, he, he's definitely not the same. Uh, the plan that uh, Golden Boy and Canelo uh, put in play uh, clearly worked. He's he's not the same fighter of, of uh, even a couple of years ago, let alone, you know, four years ago. Um, you know, with that said, he, he looked like he was struggling going the, uh, the 12 rounds. Um, you know, it looked like the punches were clearly affecting him. Will there be a third fight against Canelo? Or do you think um, he may follow what, what South said earlier, that uh, Triple G should consider retiring. What, what's your thoughts on that? Sal said something that makes a lot of sense, too, is Triple G never seems to win the critics over. Yeah, he has the fans that love the knockouts, but there's always something about him that they're criticizing. If, if Triple G punches his opponent and his opponent's head literally flies off his shoulders and lands in the fifth row, somebody's going to sit there and complain about it didn't land in the sixth row. You know, that's just been, you know, his career. At this point in time, for Triple G to retire in terms of his legacy, you know, to keep this um, this this image that, you know, he has built up over the years with all those consecutive knockouts, he needs to go out against an opponent who is, you know, obviously not of that elite level, but, you know, still a recognizable name and win big and then go out on retirement. So right now, I don't know if it's a game of legacy because it certainly wasn't a game of money. Um, he was paid well last night. Both fighters were paid well last night. So... 
Triple G, I would like to see him go out on a big win, like Sal said, but, you know, not stay around too long because he always has taken a lot of punches. And now at 37 years old, when he's taking this many punches from a guy like the Revinchenko, who's not an overly speedy guy and usually not an overly nimble guy, that's the most I've ever seen him use his footwork last night in his career. So, yeah, it might, you know, this might be the time, you know, to call it a day. Only Triple G can do that, but, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to my man Joel, who just gave us a super chat, and uh, we appreciate that. Um, uh, Dax, do you um, – do you what? how did you score it? How did you score the fight? What did you have? I had it 114-113. Again, like I said, that was on our Twitter account last night. I said 114-113 is how I had it. I gave uh, Triple G rounds 1, 2, um, 7, 8, uh, 10, and 11. Yeah, you know, it, it was close because I, I had it the same, but I gave Triple G rounds 1, 3, 4, 7, 8, and 12. So uh, it was a close fight. It, you know, you couldn't argue You couldn't argue if it went the other way. It seemed to me that Devrinchenko was landing harder shots. I, I thought he was landing the harder punches. Yeah, he was. Um, but, you know, Triple G, he has that great chin. Sometimes in a fight, when you get a guy like Triple G, let's say, who's not really an overly nimble guy, and you have a guy like Derevchenko who's kind of outworking him, but any time that the other guy who is not the nimble guy who's like being outworked, when he does something, all of a sudden he nullifies and uh, he he just totally changes that other fighter's game of uh, game of action. You know, has him reset. And sometimes you know that's when you score the round four. You know, the guy like you know Triple G because more or less he's kind of controlling that fight. Anytime he does land, you know, he becomes the boss. So that's, you know, sometimes in the, I'm not saying that gave him all the rounds that, that happened, but sometimes in those close rounds, that's why you score for a guy, even though he was being outworked. Is the, I think uh, the, the, the 10th round, I think it was, uh, at the end of the 10th, where um, 10th or the 11th, where Derevchenko uh, was uh, winning most of the round, then Triple G really closed it out strong. He just edged the round out because of that last 15, 20 seconds. So, um, again, I'll, I'll ask... Um, do you think the third fight with Canelo will will actually take place? I don't. At this point in time, I don't. I don't think uh, it should. It, it wouldn't be good for Canelo. Um, the two uh, first fights were full of controversy. Um, no matter who you thought won, you know there's always going to be that stigma overhead. Now, if Triple G didn't look, you know, like he did last night, and let's face it, even though he uh, defeated Steve Rolls, he didn't look like you know the Triple G of old against Steve Rolls. So. It's really doing nothing for Canelo's career. It's doing nothing for boxing. Well, if that fight doesn't happen, maybe Triple G should retire because what else is out there? Demetrius Andre called him out. But does that fight make sense for Triple G? No. Um, Drevinchenko, um, you, you mentioned um, Canelo and the game plan. You know, in boxing, all of a sudden, you know, the blueprint is uh, labeled on every fighter that doesn't look sensational after uh, a previous opponent. Derevchenko, when he was moving in and out and using his jab, he looked sensational. And Triple G, again, he's never been a guy that's been, uh, you know, great with his footwork. He's slow, you know, he corners his guy, but you know, he's never been great with guys that move around a lot. And Canelo has really upped his game over the last couple of years with that footwork. And you know, with the age disparity and Canelo's uh, footwork and skill set uh, increasing, it wouldn't even be um, competitive. And you know, the fans really, in the end, would not be happy anyway. Triple G would um, still be criticized, um, not ever being as good as he was. And then Canelo would be criticized saying that he was uh, picking on an old Triple G. They took that third fight because they knew he was easy pickings. And that's, you know, it just, it just wouldn't work out at all. It would be good for the moment. But overall, that fight would get more criticism than praise, no matter who won. All right, some other things that have been taking place uh, in the boxing world that I want to get your thoughts on. First and foremost, I know I, I actually saw 
some of your uh, posts on this situation. Um, uh, Clarissa Shields was supposed to be the main event uh, last night uh, on their card out of Flint, Michigan. And due to uh, Ivana uh, uh, Habazin's trainer, uh, James Ali Bashir, uh, being sucker punched, uh, and as it turns out, it was from Clarissa Shields' brother. The fight was uh, canceled. Uh, Clarissa Shields even came on and said, uh, whoever sucker punched him from behind, it's inexcusable, and it's clearly not part of our team. And then, you know, several hours later, uh, it was reported that it was actually her brother. You know as well as I that she can't claim he wasn't part of the team because anybody on the stage at a weigh-in is either part of the commission part of the broadcast, part of the officials, they're either the fighters or they're part of the team because they need a credential. What's your thoughts on this whole situation, Dax? First of all, the first thing I thought about with this was the Leon Lawson and Jose Uzukadui incident when Lawson sucker punched Uzukadui and Clarissa Shields even though maybe the PBC didn't mean to, they kept panning that camera to her, remember? And she was laughing and pointing. She wasn't just giggling. She was laughing hysterically like that was a comedy act, and she was looking at the big screen whenever it was played over and laughing. You know, that shows the mindset of her and, you know, what type of person she is. Um, you know, I've discussed with people and said, you know, from the times I've met her and the times you met her, the um, times you spoke with her on, at the uh, uh, Women's Hall of Fame, she just seemed like a total different person, and now you're saying to yourself, was that an act, or you know, is this the Claresha Shields who just doesn't know how to deal with the fame, and she's listening to all these people and what they're saying? Now, as you were just stating about uh, you can't say, I don't know, and it wasn't my fault. If you are the fighter, I'm not talking about a, a, a young fighter on an undercard, but when you're a headliner, especially a champion, whoever you bring with you, you are responsible for if you are the head of your camp. And they came with Claressa Shields, as you stated. So you know what? You, She has to take that blame because she came with him. The commission needs to step in. And, you know, I would think, I would hope that Dimitri Salida would do the right thing and say, listen, if we're going to continue doing business together, this can never happen again because you're making my name look bad. And Salida is one of the only promoters who really focuses fully on female boxing. You know, it's, it's just bad for the sport. And um, I don't care what anybody says. Well, he was disrespecting the sister that was on stage and he shouldn't have. The sister, she's the sister. She's not the fighter. She's not the trainer. She's not the promoter. She's not from the commission. She should have minded her business while Bashir was looking at that scale. He had every right to. That's the other part of it. He has every right to watch the scale, to question the scale, to question the accuracy of the, sc the scale. He could have he could have asked the commissioner to have her have her get back on it. I mean, I, you know, he's there to make sure that, uh, in his opinion, that his fighter is being equally treated as the opponent. So I, I mean, um, I agree with with everything you said, and and the the, the sad part about this is that, you know, it, it, it puts a black eye on the sport. I, I was talking to my man Mitch uh, via email the other day, and, and it's like this. You know, fights, especially professional fighters, they're the ones that fight. You know, it, it, everybody that goes to a fight sometimes and they have a little too much to drink or whatever, uh, you know, they get the beer muscles, uh, you know. But the worst thing that can happen for this sport is other fights taking place at a professional fight and to make it even worse to have this kind of stuff 
um, happen at a weigh-in. And then, in a sense, to have a certain number of people in their mindset glorify an act like this is even worse. And it seems to be popping up uh, several times with Clarissa Shields. You and I have talked about the Durrell brothers. I mean, you know, the last actually the last fight was the only fight in recent times that I didn't see any shenanigans going on. Um, and, and it doesn't matter which commission. Uh, the, the one with the, uh, the other sucker punch was in uh, Maryland. So, I mean, it, it, it's terrible, you know. And it, it, the sport can't afford to have stuff like this. They need to, they need to tighten that up, maybe start limiting uh, who's able to even be at a weigh-in. It, absolutely, they should. That's why promoters, Bill, you know as well as I do, when you are going to a big fight, they ask certain questions if they're not familiar with your outlet. They want to know how many fights have this has this person been to in the uh, in the past. They want to know um, your credentials in terms of, you know, how how um, how many uh, articles or how many TV shows or how many radio shows that this person's been on. And it's not always just for the fact that they're worried about their coverage. It's for reasons like this: Can this person come here and conduct themselves? Because this sport has a lot of people that are not really professionals; that it's more or less a hobby. And like you're stating, you can't have these outside-the-ring fights. Boxing, over the last couple of years, these fans, and again, fans that think they know the business, swear they actually do know the business, and they will throw in that word, it's a business. That's why I keep saying the word business. Business is a business. Boxing, that business is in the ring. The rest of the business is with the promoters. It's with the fighters and the contracts. It has nothing to do with anybody else around, as you stated. That, and this is a big business. This isn't, you know, a, a job. This is a big business with millions and millions of dollars, and everybody has to conduct themselves like professionals. That not only the fighters, but in the camps. And the fighters have to take responsibility for who they bring. Koresha Shield is just as responsible as anybody else is. Did she throw the punch? No. But she is still just as responsible. In the future, she should not be allowed to bring any of these people. They should be banned. Everybody on her team who has not conducted themselves properly should be banned. And not just her, but with any fighter that this should happen with. But to sucker punch a 71-year-old man in the back of the head to where he falls on the face, has to have surgery that same day, come on. that's it. There's no excuse for that ever. The sad part, in my opinion anyway, Dax, is that she's trying to bamboozle, if you will, uh, the fans, the boxing fans. To try to say that, you know, nobody from our team, blah, blah, blah. And even even if she was tongue-in-cheek uh, at this point saying, well, it, yeah, maybe it was my brother, uh, but he wasn't part of our team. The truth of the matter is, is for anyone out there that didn't hear me say it a few moments ago, in order to even be on that stage, everyone had to have a credential. You know, Joe Schmo that, that walked in and happened to stumble across the the way and wasn't going to get his butt up on stage. If you didn't have a credential, you weren't on stage. In order right. to obtain a credential, you would have had to have been part of something, either the yeah, event itself, the commission, or the team. So, yeah, I, you know, if she's trying to bamboozle anybody, Dax, she's full of you-know-what. Yeah, because what a lot of people don't understand, too, Bill, with the credentials, one credential doesn't cover everything. Okay, they have different types of credentials. So just because somebody has a credential doesn't mean that they're going to be up on the stage. You have to have that credential that gives you certain access. So like you said, that person had to have that special credential. Not just any, they had to have that special credential to get up there. Not only is that the promoter's rule, but that's the commission's rule. 
So that even brings it a step further because the commission has to approve certain things, even people that come to watch the weigh-ins, people that go into the back in the dress rooms and so on and so forth. So, you know, unless the fighter or the promoter says, give this person that credential, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. A um, couple other things uh, um, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, first and foremost, uh, big fight next week uh, for Oleksandr uh, Yusik against uh, Tyrone, Tyrone Sprong uh, entering the heavyweights. Uh, you have any uh, thoughts on that fight and uh, predictions? I think uh, Yusik is going to win. Um, I think that Spong is a, a good test for him. You know, even though um, Bello, Tony Bello, I guess you can say, was a part-time heavyweight fighter. But, uh, yeah, Spong is, you know, a good test for him. Uh, we'll be able to see how Yusik does if Spong is able to go in there and lean on him and uh, catch him with some heavyweight uh, punches. But uh, Alexander Yusik is levels above. Um, I actually believe he's the most, um, well, once he's an official heavyweight, I don't see how anybody can debate skill-wise that he's not the best heavyweight in the division. Whether or not his, his size is going to allow him to uh, compete against these monsters is a... Uh, um, is, is a whole different uh, story, but, um, you know, it, it's good to see somebody with this much skill, and despite how big the other heavyweights are, speaking of whether or not it's a Joshua or uh, Wilder or uh, Tyson Fury, Alexander Yusik is a big guy. He's six foot three. He walks around that, you know, 225, 230, so, you know, that is a big guy, and um, he's actually what, um, at some po at one point in time, Bill, he would have been considered a supersized heavyweight. Um. What's your prediction? You think Usyk's gonna win a decision? Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's gonna outbox him. He's gonna win a decision. Uh, I mean, I don't think that uh, he'll, he'll knock Spong out because he's not a knockout artist. But I think he's gonna dominate and he's gonna send a message out there, um, especially if he makes um, Spong look like um, like an overpaid sparring partner. You know, he's definitely gonna send a message out there, and I think the division's gonna uh, really be nervous. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Usyk becomes avoided. Um, because guys are saying to themselves or trainers are saying to themselves, the only way we can beat this guy is knock him out. So, you know, him coming into the division, you know, it just upsets the apple cart. You know, it turns things on, on the side. So, you know, anything good, positive that happens in that division is, you know, is good for the sport. You know, we talk about it all the time. When the heavyweight division is talked about, boxing is talked about. Uh, speaking about being overmatched, the co-main event on, on that uh, card is Dimitri Bivol uh, taking on uh, Lennon Castillo. Uh, you know, I question this fight. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, you know, every fighter is is entitled to, you know, defending a, a title against uh, uh, a a non dangerous opponent. And Castillo did have some. His last four fights were tough ones. Him being three and one in those four fights. Um, but you know, we've kind of put Dimitri Bivol on a pedestal. Uh, you yourself feel he's he's the best light heavyweight uh, in, in the sport, and, and I agree with you. Um, when with in today's world of of so many champions, the least that world champions can do once they obtain one of the you know many many belts is fight the top guys. What's your thoughts on on Bivol fighting Castillo? You know, Castillo he's not a known fighter. Um, I don't think he's a uh, a top ten fighter by any chance, but He's, you know, he's a talented fighter. Every Anytime I've seen him fight, I expect him to lose because, you know, he has that thin frame. He's not a big puncher, but um, he, he's a great boxer. He has an excellent chin. I don't think he's going to uh, beat Bivol, but I think that um, you brought up an excellent point about the champions. Remember what belt Bivol holds, the WBA belt. When you hold that belt, 
it's almost like a no-win situation unless you're the super champion. And um, I think the ball right now is more or less in his last couple fights just been put into that situation where he has to fight whoever they tell him to. And he's not able to land these bigger fights for whatever reason. You know, why isn't he, hasn't he been in with a Peter Biev? Why hasn't he with a uh, Vodzik or, you know, or so on and so forth? So, you know, Dimitri Bivol, and again, the talk where he wanted to move down to 168 pounds, I have no idea why this fight came about. But um, it's not as... Um, a bad as a fight as it looks like is on paper. You know, uh, Lennox Castillo is you know going to put up a a, a a better effort than what you're you know what you're describing and what you're thinking. Um. Yeah. Well, I, I hope so. I hope you're right. Uh, that's for sure. And, and I got I got another question for you. Uh, and and my man, Coach, wherever he may be watching or listening or whenever he watches or listens to this show, um, Tyson Fury made an appearance at SmackDown the other night. And uh, they had to hold him back, hold him back. He was going to jump into the ring. Are we getting a, 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 a precursor to him uh, possibly uh, uh, following suit uh, with the WWE or at least doing something with them? I mean, what's your thoughts on that episode? That's just more or less a, a cosign on his popularity Worldwide on how big he has become with the fans. Anytime a fighter, whether or not it's now, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or whether or not it's a fighter, a football player, so on and so forth, anytime they've really reached the peak of their popularity, notice they somehow have made an appearance on uh, with WWE, whether or not it was WrestleMania, SmackDown, uh, Raw. Um, do you remember, I forget how many years ago, when the, um, the Chicago Bears, when they won the Super Bowl and they were at their peak, uh, they all appeared on there. You had William Perry in the ring. And so... Um, is he going to go on there? I think, you know, we're, most likely we'll see him on, you know, one of the pay-per-views. I think when Floyd went on, Floyd made a few million dollars for his uh, his small role. So, yeah, definitely we're going to see him on there. You know, sports entertainment, you know, as, as they call themselves because um, they were uh, because of that whole thing with the uh, World uh, Wildlife Foundation, Tyson Fury is an entertainer. So Tyson Fury and the WWE going together, you know, that's, that, that's kind of, you know, a perfect fit, no? I <laughs> uh, can't deny that, especially uh, if, if, if you, did you see the outfit he was wearing? I mean, that was WWE all the way, brother. I, I you know, he always dresses like that. You know, I, I, I don't know uh, where he gets that from. I don't know. Do they have um, yard sales or, you know, do they have like uh, thrift sales for, you know, pimps of the 60s and 70s or something like that? Yeah, but, I, that I, bit, I know, that, but, uh, yeah, but he has to, come on, he's, he's seven foot tall. He's got to have all his clothes custom made. So somebody designed that for him. You know, so uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It was uh, pretty yeah. comical, really. Yeah, you know, um, so I'm just looking in the chat room. Oh, Fat Apple or somebody said, "Well, uh, Deontay Wilder's tall, but he's not big." Um, have you ever been with, sat with a guy that is that big? I don't care if he weighs 170 pounds. That's a big person. Maybe he's not, you know, thick like a Joshua or something like that. But trust me, Deontay Wilder's a big guy. He just doesn't look that big. When standing next to guys that have 50 pounds on him. But I promise you, Deontay Wilder's a big guy. There's no question about that. Dax, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, we look forward to your articles up on BillyCBoxing.com. And your thoughts next week when we do our show. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. Take care. That's uh, Dax Khan. And like I said, you can check him out uh, up on BillyCBoxing.com. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, we are scheduled to have... Uh, 
my man Alex Papali join us. So don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. We want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget, you got to order yourself a copy of my book. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. Grab yourself a copy right now from Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com. Or if you want a signed copy, just drop me an email. Billy at Talkin' Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Joining us right now is my main man, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Uh, what happened, Alex? Where you at, man? I'm here. Oh, okay. All right, there you are. Um, what'd you think of the fight last night? I thought it was really good. Uh, I I think it was a better fight than last week's in terms of just bell to bell action. Um, and uh, I did have Dervinchenko winning. Um, one yeah we got a terrible terrible connection with with you for some reason uh uh you know you're gonna you're gonna have to ante up and and buy a little better service man but uh you had deverinchenko winning i did i did uh i uh i i Alex, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get you. Uh, I'm gonna try to get you back, man, because uh, uh, this is terrible. Okay. So, um, hang tight a sec. Uh, we will uh, uh, try to uh, um, uh, get a, a better, better connection with uh, uh, with my man uh, Alex here in a sec. Um, we um, uh, he had. Uh, I can't wait to talk to him. He's, he says he had uh, uh, Devinchenko. 
winning the fight, which, you know what? I mean, the truth of the matter is, is um, you can't really, uh, you know, I mean, the, 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 like I said, the, the truth of the matter is, is that you can't say that, you know, only one way. Uh, in in this case, you know, most of us had, uh, well, I had tri Triple G winning 114-113, but it was an extremely close fight. Uh, so, I mean, that's, uh, it is what it is. But uh, uh, we're going to try uh, um, uh, Alex again here without his video. Uh, so let's uh, see how we go. Hey, are you there now, Alex? Yeah, are you there now? Yeah, I'm seeing him, but I'm not hearing him. Uh, I'm going to try him uh, one last time without his video uh, so you, we won't get a camera shot uh, with, uh, with, with him. I, you know, um, I'm not sure uh, uh, what's, uh, what's going on with him. But uh, uh, in any event, we'll, uh, we'll give him another shot here. But, um, uh, you know, the, the fight was an extremely close fight. There's no question about that. Uh, and, you know, uh, just like Dax and I, we had the same score, but we had uh, different, uh, uh, different rounds going to the fighters. So uh, I could see it. You know, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that um, in, uh, in Alex's case, uh, him picking uh, Deverinchenko, you know, he was, he was using um, uh, the, the punches seemed to be harder, in my opinion, uh, than, uh, uh, than, than uh, Triple G's, you know. So it is what it is. You know, so uh, but uh, uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what Alex has to say uh, right now. Uh, we're going to try him. Uh, uh, it must be and the weather is kind of crazy here. But uh, are you there now, Alex? Uh, I guess we're having. Uh, are you here now? I guess I, I, I guess we're I guess we're not uh, we're not getting a good connection from my man, Alex. So uh, we'll have to uh, wait till uh, next week for uh, for Alex. Uh, I'm not uh, sure what the heck's going on. Uh, with uh, uh, with his connection, but it's uh, it's clearly uh, uh, not doing too well. But uh, in any event, I will uh, uh, go to uh, see if we see if the same thing is happening uh, with uh, uh, with Emily. But uh, in any event, uh, we have uh, another fight I wanted to uh, mention, um, and that is the Jaron um, Enos fight, uh, which actually became the main event uh, when the Clarissa Shields fight uh, was uh, scrapped uh, due to the uh, sucker punch incident. Um, here's a fighter to keep an eye on, boys and girls. Uh, Jaron Enos uh, improved to 24-0 with 22 knockouts when he stopped um, Daniel Fernandez in the third round uh, on, uh, uh, on uh, last night. And... Um, you know, after the, the official time was two minutes and ten seconds uh, after uh, Fernandez told the referee he couldn't, he couldn't see no more and uh, they uh, stopped the fight. But uh, Jaron Enos, an, an aggressive fighter, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing more uh, of him. Uh, join, I, I, we'll see if we have Emily on the line. Emily, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Oh, I hear you fine. Yeah, it was something was wrong with Alex's uh, service. I'm not getting your camera shot, but that's okay. You were ringside for the Triple G fight. How was it 
being ringside. I mean, it seemed very excite, excitable uh, audience there. I, I mean, I, something. I mean, I'm a New Yorker through and through, and I love watching fights at Madison Square Garden. But for some reason, at least on TV, it seemed like there was a little more energy going on than I usually see at Madison Square Garden. Is it was it my uh, imagination or what? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because walking in there, somebody said that ticket sales weren't good. Um, and I don't know if they magically got people that, you know, were big fans to come and watch the fight. But I hadn't really looked at ticket sales because I just figured, well, there's got to be some decent fighters on the undercard locally that should be able to bring some guys if, you know, these two guys don't. But there usually are some good fans that come out for Golovkin. And, you know, here's the thing those who had been watching fights that night had gotten very little action, you know? So no matter what, whether it was a good fight, I think people were so psyched to finally see a fight that went the distance, but yeah, it was a great fight either way. I mean, you had to, you know, be on your feet because it was a back and forth fight. And if you are a a boxing fan, you may not have considered Domachenko, a, a fighter that was going to be, you know, a viable opponent for Triple G. Um, you know, I I wasn't counting him out at all, but I know that there were people who were skeptical of what he was going to be able to bring to the table, um, and I think he left a whole lot on the table for people to talk about. So, um, people certainly got their their money's worth if they paid for tickets, if they were given tickets, whatever they did to, you know, get to that fight last night, or if you sat at home and watched it, you got a good fight. It, it set was, a lot of good. It set a lot of good things up. It was a great fight. I mean, uh, and and I'm with you. Devrinchenko is is a fighter that whoever thought it was going to be, an e- I I never thought it was going to be an easy fight because watching him fight uh, Daniel Jacobs, you know, you you knew that the kid. Uh, brings it, you know, and and watching the Triple G fight. Now, you all all the best photos uh, of the fight obviously were yours uh, that are <laughs> being circulated. So you you were right there, and and uh, you know some things I wanted to ask you. First of all, to me, it sounded like Devorinchenko was landing the harder shots, and and I'm shocked that those words are coming out of my mouth when I'm talking about Triple G. Were they harder? I mean, could you hear the difference yourself? I mean, you were right there. I mean, I, I feel like it, it seemed like they were harder shots, but I feel like Triple G has trained for that, you know? What he hasn't trained for is somebody being able to really fight him in the pocket consistently. And that was something that, you know, Domachenko had figured out. Um, you know, whether he figured it out last night or just by watching him, he knew, you know, the where the places to capitalize on. But I, I feel like Triple G wasn't really in his right element anyways there was something a little off about him you know whether from the weigh-in on or what have you um just not completely himself and maybe he underestimated him a little bit I don't know I don't think you should really underestimate anybody at at this point because these guys are coming for you you know they know that you're getting paid they they have the opportunity to get paid so you know I think every guy that he steps in there with he really needs to be careful with you know, um, they were mentioning that he had flu-like symptoms uh, a couple of days prior to the weigh-in, and he actually mm-hmm. missed the pre-weigh-in weigh-in uh, the day before. Um, so yep. maybe that does. But but the other thing I can't help but throw in the mix, Emily, is that he's 37 years old, and his style oh, yeah. of fighting, I mean, I, you know, we he, he didn't look 
super great in his last fight. And the layoff uh, between the whole Canelo fiasco clearly, uh, you know, put a toll on him as well. Um, you know, maybe we're just seeing a fighter that's that's on the decline, and it is what it is, you know? Right. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's going to happen at some point, you know, so um, you are going to start to see it. But, you know, I, I guess only time will tell. We know he's going to probably, you know, obviously make another fight, another go at it and see where things go. And But, um, you know, I guess if we see that pattern, then maybe there's where the, you know, the, the issue lays. Do you think that uh, Canelo will fight Triple G again? Uh, I think if they can make the the money right, you know, I think they got to see what happens after this uh, fight with Canelo and and uh, Kovalev, you know, and and go from there. He might have other plans. We'll see what happens, you know, in November. But I would like to see them fight. Uh, I think everybody would like to, you know, get that that go ahead. But I think money and and time is going to be the the answer. You know, the sad thing is, is that, um, you know, we all were criticizing Canelo for waiting too long to make the first fight, then too long for the second fight, mm-hmm. and, you know, delaying the, the, the trilogy everyone wants. And mm-hmm. everyone accused uh, Team Canelo of waiting for Triple G to get old. Well, it looks like, it looked like, it looks like it's here, you know, and, and um, it looks like it, it is favoring uh, Canelo, if the same Triple G shows up to fight Canelo a third time that showed up last night to fight Devonchenko, I, I don't really it's give over. him a chance. Yeah, I don't give him it's a chance. Over. I hate to say it, right? <laughs> it's over. You know, and then there's other guys in the mix, too, you know, that really want a, a chance and have t- been talked about getting a chance. And so you, you do want to hope that at least if they're not going to fight each other for another year, that. Golovkin can stay active with somebody that you know should withhold a name you know whether it be Andre or a rematch with Domenchenko or whatever it might be um you know it it should be a viable person not somebody that he can just kind of keep keep moving with um some things I noticed and and you know I I know you're you're busy uh uh, shooting the, the the fights, but uh, some things I noticed uh, watching the fight last night. Em, uh, number one, either side to me didn't look like they were making any adjustments. Now, with that said, Devonchenko's game plan was working. I mean, there was no question. You know, mm-hmm. working the body and and keeping mm-hmm. uh, Triple G going back and stuff. But as the fight wore on, specifically from the eighth round on. Uh, Triple G was anticipating the body shots so much so that he was moving after he would throw a jab he would move his elbows down and and try to protect his body mm-hmm. I feel a good trainer would have told his fighter to to either fake to the body you know faint him to the body or whatever and then come back and, and start going for the head I mean he did the work all fight long there was time for him to start going for the knockout and Devorinchenko did not do that uh, we'll start with that. Did you see that, or, or is that something that uh, maybe Triple G was preventing from happening? I mean, how do you see that? Um, yeah, you know, I thought there were times when um, Triple G actually kind of stayed in there too long a little bit, too. You know, he'd, he'd be able to give it to him, and um, he would anticipate him coming because he didn't move out of the way. And, you know, he would he – would, eat more than he actually gave and I think that's when people started to see the 
the turn maybe in certain rounds where, you know, Triple G had some hard action, you know, landing shots, but Domachenko just gave it back to him. And I don't think G was really used to something like that because most guys feel his power and back off. This kid kind of stayed right in the pocket with them and fought with him. Um, And so, yeah, he was anticipating it, but I think he needed to anticipate it and get out of the way, faint with it, like you said. And we didn't see that happening. But I also don't think either of them saw that the knockout was going to happen. You know, maybe they just didn't feel it when they were going to the body there or into the head where neither of them were really budging. I think the one thing that Gennady had working for him or he thought he had working for him was the cut over the eye because he did keep parring at that, you know, going for that. And, I mean, that's what what an experienced fighter does. And I think that's what really helped Gennady win the fight was his experience because those later rounds is really where he turned it on more. You know, so I think he knew. He knew where he was. You know, I couldn't tell. To me, it seemed like... Devonchenko was landing the, the the harder thudding punches, and it also seemed to me that he had more gas left in the tank. And mm-hmm. where where I thought that Devonchenko should have mixed up his game plan at, at those last three or four rounds, you know, Triple G was trying to do this, maintain the same thing too. Jonathan Banks was telling him, "Oh, keep using a jab. He can't defend against a jab," which was true, but because he was being so cautious with with protecting his body. He wasn't. It wasn't as effective as it was in the beginning of that fight. Um, I, I feel both corners just didn't make the adjustments correctly, and I couldn't help but think with Triple G, is the lack of having Abel Sanchez in the corner really making a difference? So yeah, to address that, um, you know, it's funny. Like when I I, I saw tri- Triple G fight Willie Monroe. I didn't feel like a lot of the adjustments were, were made early enough there either. You know, when he was questioned about why did you kind of get in the mix of him and, and kind of get hit a lot more with this fight, he said, well, I, I wanted to give people more show, you know, drama show, big drama show. And it's like, well, no, I don't think that at all. And I, as we went on with him, he kind of ex- got exposed with his defense. And part of me wondered, you know, when him and Abel – went parted ways would somebody pick up on that you know lack of you know defense I mean he's got it in some fashion but there are times where you just wonder why aren't you moving out of the way why aren't you making adjustments why isn't your corner making an adjustment you know you hope that that person in your corner is talking to you to do something like that but neither of them you're right seem to really be making the adjustment in the on the other corner I felt like their priority though was that cut you know and they knew like he was he was gonna go in there and fight no matter what he had you know nothing to lose being in there no matter what and I think just based on probably their experience with him as a fighter they didn't really need to tell him too much he knew where he was going Domanchenko that is um, and, and he was doing the right things. He was in there with a more experienced fighter, and I think the experience got him last night. Speaking of the cut, uh, from your uh, vantage point, did you think that that cut was caused by a punch or uh, an accidental headbutt? It looked like an accidental headbutt, but when I went back and looked at the pictures, I couldn't find an accidental headbutt. It looked more like a, a photo, so I got to go back and look at the time of when that happened versus when 
and the photos were just to see if maybe that was a, a punch. Um, but, you know, the, the one thing I kept thinking, and, and, and I don't know if you watched the fight a few weeks ago with Dutchover when they stopped his fight, is that I, I got to give them some credit in New York for letting the fight go because they, they checked that a lot. And we know in, in New York they are, um, you know, on top of stopping fights a lot sooner sometimes than people want. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people were afraid of last night. Um, but they did a great job on that cut, and they did a great job on keeping it together every time the doctor tried to pull it apart. Um, so, yeah, it was um, kudos to them. It, it was a nasty cut, and uh, I, I thought Fury's was was uh, uh, worse. Um, and I thought um, last week, uh, you know, we had even a worse cut with, with mm -hmm. uh, Spence. Um, mm -hmm. But but the replays clearly show that it was from a punch, and um, there I didn't see any head. You know the the funny thing about it, Emily, is I didn't really see any headbutts. On it, you know, of course, no, no 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 intentional headbutts, but right. but no no unintentional. I I counted two in the whole fight, and the first one came in the eighth round. You know, so. Uh, or around the eighth round, so I, I you know, and there I think go. that fatigue started uh, making them uh, potentially clash heads. So I was shocked that that Harvey, who I think is one of the best young referees in the business, uh, immediately called it uh, from a, from a headbutt. And then the fact that New York stuck by that even even after they're whispering in stuck the ear, yeah. hey, listen, yeah, you know, uh, the the video did. shows that it was clearly from a punch, you know. Yeah, we never saw that replay, so that's good to know. Yeah, no, it was a punch. It was definitely a punch. Opened it right up, um, and then uh, you know New York can't seem to get it right, no matter no matter what they no matter what they do. <laughs> last question for you, Emily, and I I, I know you had a late night uh, last night, but a uh, uh, last question: Demetrius Andre uh, has called out um, uh, Triple G and Canelo for that matter. Uh, do you see the uh, New England native getting a shot at Triple G, or is Triple G going to focus on Canelo uh, for the, uh, you know, obviously the money? And if he doesn't get the Canelo uh, third fight, do you, do you think he will hang him up, or do you think he would go for a fight against Demetrius? I think the money would have to be right for for the Demetrius fight. I mean, I think, you know, we'd like to see the Canelo. Maybe more fans would want to see the Canelo than Triple G does after last night. Um, I, I I would wonder if Triple G would go right to the Canelo fight after what went down last night, or if he'd go for a rematch, or if he'd go for an Andre. I would like to see Andre get a, an opportunity. He deserves it. You know, people sat there and, and wondered what the whole situation was with him prior to signing with Matchroom, and was he really going to fight, and did he really want to fight? And so here he is. He wants to fight, and now he can't really get the opportunity to. Um, so I, I hope that he does get that opportunity. He deserves it. Um, you know, I mean, he could go with Delmonchenko. That would be a good fight, too. We know he's going to come and press the action. It's not going to be a lackluster fight. Um, so there's an option there, too. But, um, you know, I... I I think it'll all depend on what happens in November with Canelo, uh, with Canelo and uh, Kovalev. Sure. You know, I, to tell you the truth, I, I don't see any fighters really wanting to fight Devonchenko at this point. He is a <laughs> he is a dangerous fighter. I mean, uh, uh, similar to uh, to the kid that uh, fought uh, 
uh, last week that got robbed. Uh, I can't think of his name, but uh, uh, where he just kept coming and coming against uh, Mario Barrios. Um, uh, that kid. Um, oh, and that uh, Spence you, card. I know who you're talking you, you about. You know who I'm like talking him. about. Yeah, it just, mm-hmm. I mean, there's another guy, you know, they, they put in such a great performance that they, they put themselves out of work, it seems, you know. But, uh, yep. hey, I lied. I have one more question for you. Um, <laughs> what's your thoughts on that whole Clarissa Shields uh, fiasco? I know you were probably in the car when, <sighs> when, when you heard, but, but the truth of the matter is it turns out to be her brother. And she's saying Aww. that, uh, oh, it wasn't part of the, the team. And you know as well as anyone, uh, and we were talking about it earlier, that you can't even get on the stage without obtaining a credential. No. And if, you, if you're not part of the team, you're not getting a credential. What's your thoughts? Uh, you know, the whole situation is disappointing because it affects so many people. Um, you know, from the, the point of where it started to where we are right now with it is – it's sad because, you know, we're in a business where y- your hands and what happens in a fight is supposed to happen in a ring. And unfortunately, fighters have to deal with people that come along with them, whether they're friends or their family or what have you. And it, unf- it falls on the fighter to, you know, make sure that those people that are around them are, are representing them with the, the best intentions. And so I guess it's, you know, a reminder for for her and for everybody to really look at who is around you, who is on that team, who has your best interests at heart. And even though I'm, I'm sure her brother thought, you know, doing what he did was the best interest, it, it's not, you know, violence is not an answer to, to something like that. And um, unfortunately she has to deal with it. Uh, I, I'm still going to support Clarissa because I don't, you know, nothing is uh, malicious on her end. But um, unfortunately, she's in a situation where she's got to deal with this now. Emily, I appreciate your uh, thoughts and we'll look forward to you next week. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. That's uh, the best photographer in boxing, Emily Harney. Uh, If you look uh, and see all of the uh, good shots that uh, are up on the internet right now you'll see emily's name uh on them but uh, uh unfortunately i i can't agree I, you know I, the one thing i i definitely disagree with uh with emily just now is that you know yeah i i i agree that i don't think that um that clarissa intended anything i i, I definitely don't uh, think that she intended but you know how the brother could actually think uh, that there was anything uh, positive uh, about sucker punching a guy, especially seventy-one year old guy, uh, in the back of the head is is beyond me. Well, we're gonna give it a try one more time. Uh, hopefully, joining me right now is Alex Papali. Are you there? Hi, Billy C. How are you? Oh, hey, Alex. I'm great to have you join us. Uh, it was it was good. <laughs> so, something clearly uh, going on. I, I'm trying to get. Uh, the bugs out, and then you make an interesting point. You're you're on the competitors box, so uh, uh, maybe that's what it is. But uh, what's your thoughts on the Triple G Devonchenko fight from last night? You had the one thing I did get from the uh, previous times we tried to connect with you is that you actually scored the fight for Devonchenko. How'd you see it? I did. I thought Devonchenko won. Um, I did have it a little wide, which made me question my decision last night. Um, I wasn't too appalled because I, I had it 116-111 for Derevinchenko last night. However, that's, uh, you know, texting, tweeting, 
watching TV, you know. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, so you were like every other judge that I've been seeing lately, not paying attention to the fight, apparently. Right. Well, paying paying attention, but not, you know, uh, you know, focus completely. Uh, so, you know, I could see, you know, in for for the scores that they had, they would have had had to see three different rounds, three rounds differently than my card. So I watched it again today, and the 11th and 12th were the two that I felt um, probably I paid the least attention. Um, so I watched those two again, and I did switch those uh, for um, to, to Triple G. However, that still ends up, for me, with a 114-113 card for Derevinchenko. Well, now, he did throw more he did throw more punches. He did land more punches and to me it seemed like he was landing the harder punches, but I ended up scoring at 114-113 for Triple G, but there were so many rounds just like last week that could have gone either way, Alex. Absolutely. And that that's what I was going to say was that um Derevinchenko did throw more, but uh, according to CompuBox, Triple G did land more. Now, we're only talking about 13 more punches. So that's like a little over one more punch per round. So that's not a lot. And several of the rounds, um, Triple G only outlanded Dervinchenko in six rounds. So it was an extraordinary close fight. CompuBox also said... That was the highest number they'd ever tracked in a Triple G fight that an opponent landed on him. So there's no doubt about it that Triple G showed his age. Personally, for me, I like the guy who's pushing the action. Okay, so for me, Derevinchenko was the guy who was fighting more like Triple G usually does because he pushed the action every round. Um now, in those last couple rounds, I thought that Triple G just landed heavier. And again, like you were talking with um, with uh, Emily about, the difference, big difference from watching it in person and watching it uh, on TV is power. You don't see power the same way on, even on our amazing TVs today, they're still two-dimensional. And Golovkin was the guy landing a little harder through most of the fight, so... Up close, that might uh, be a more impactful um, thing. So some of those close rounds, people might have gone for Triple G. But that round where um, Dervinchenko hurt him to the body, I mean, Billy C., we've never seen Golovkin look that vulnerable, that hurt. If there was a little more time in that round, that could have been it. I agree. And, and that's where I feel differently than you. I, I feel that... Devranchenko was landing the harder punches because the majority of his power were coming to the body of Triple G and clearly was ruining his stamina, was ruining his game plan, was ruining everything. He was breathing hard. Um, I, I just, I was, I'm critical of both corners for not making any adjustments. Devranchenko did his body work. He broke Triple G down. He hurt him. Uh, in, in several of the rounds, and, and I agree with you, the the one round uh, it looked like you know if, if there was a if there was a minute left, he wasn't going to survive it. Um, but but at that point, once Triple G was showing that he he lands a jab, a crisp jab, and then he immediately was protecting his body because he was expecting a body shot. That's when Devranchenko should have started going to the head, and I feel that his corner. 
uh, who uh, I've made no qualms about it. I think Andre Rozier is one of the worst trainers in the sport. Should have made an adjustment. But, you know, conversely, uh, you know, Jonathan Banks didn't make any adjustments either. I think he was more concerned with Triple G surviving. I think that they were concerned in the corner of Triple G to have him end that fight on his feet. I think it was that close for Triple G to possibly uh, be put down in that fight. You know, it we it could be. Um, he, I tell you, Jonathan Banks was when um, I think it was Claudia Treos talked to him earlier in the in the fight. One of the things Banks said was, "We've got a young guy in front of us." So to me, that showed that um, he knew that that fight was going to be tough. Um, so um, I don't know. I, I do think that. Um, in a way, that could be the best he can do at this point. Um, major credit to Derevinchenko because he hasn't had a lot of fights. But again, he's another... I mean, it seems like Ukraine is in the news all the time now. But he's another guy from Ukraine. Uh, they don't make any scrubs, man. Uh, all those guys from Ukraine are no joke. Uh, I mean, he's only got like 15 fights. Um at least pro fights. I'm sure he had a, a, a copious amateur career. But um, hat, my hat is off to him, man. Even though I don't wear hats, um, I really think he he really fought beautifully last night. And just like um, I, I love a good jab, Billy C, and that was a really nice jab-driven offense that he had all night long. Just like last week, uh, uh, I think the jab of the night for me was uh, Jose Cito Lopez. That really was the controller for the Molina fight. Um, last night, Derevinchenko's jab was just really nice. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure he – I mean, we might end up getting the Canelo fight now because Canelo, I'm sure, if he saw that or his people watched it, uh, they said, they're probably saying, sign the deal. Well, Canelo's got to get by uh, Kovalev first. And I know we all thought that Kovalev was going to be no match. He's still way bigger. And, uh, you know, if he boxes, he, he gives Canelo a tough fight. But Deverinchenko, I thought, was uh, worked the body very well. But I thought the jab, um, the better jab was coming from Triple G. Uh, I, I just didn't think that he, he, you know, followed it up. I mean, the only other effective punch that... I saw him landing consistently aside from a, a snapping jab. And, and Triple G has one of those jabs, Alex, that when they land, it's it's like a power shot. I mean, it, you know, the heads snap back, and that's what was happening last night. But his uppercut, his uppercut was doing damage to Devonchenko. And, you know, when you see a fighter that can't make an adjustment uh, to something that his opponent has given him uh, a, a huge dose of, and in Triple G's case, it was Devonchenko's body work. He couldn't. He just couldn't prevent it. And in Devonchenko's case, uh, Triple G was landing uh, his jab seemingly at will, uh, and uh, you know was also landing the uppercut and the behind the head a little bit too. But uh, uh, what was your thoughts on the cut? Um, obviously, we had the luxury of watching the replay, but but I, I thought that a commission, uh, although I I give them praise. And don't get me wrong, I think Harvey Dock is one of the better referees out there, but he messed up. Um, and I thought that the commission should try to, rather than be stubborn and stick with their guy, so to speak, uh, they should have uh, 
they should have gotten all the facts before they made a decision and, and, and stuck to it. It was clearly from a punch. And the, the oddest part about the whole thing, Alex, was I didn't see any headbutts in that fight. I, saw, I counted two in the whole fight. I know you were tweeting and doing all kinds of other stuff, but did you notice uh, any unintentional headbutts in that fight? You know, I really didn't. Um, they, uh, it seemed like a very clean fight. I mean, they, uh, they were fighting in close quite a bit, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really notice any uh, blatant headbutts, or at least you know, you know, blatantly uh, obvious hot headbutts. Um, when they first showed the replay, I didn't think it was that conclusive. When the the second time they showed the replay, you could clearly see as. Derevinchenko spun around, he started pawing at the shot that had just been hit and there was a cut there. Right. So, yeah, it really so that was that was definitely caused by a punch. It's really unfortunate in our sport that um we all can't get on the same page and just look, if you can see it on a replay, make the call according to that. I mean, we saw what happened in uh, in the UK where, you know, you had Mauricio Suleiman sort of overruling uh, the the BBB of C's uh, ruling, you know, that, that, that they don't use um, uh, replay. And then last night, New York doesn't re- use replay and they should have. So, yeah, it's, it's unfair to the fighters because, I mean, I, I don't understand. You have the... If you have the camera shot there, how difficult, I mean, HBO sort of went through this. How difficult is it to say to someone with the commission, hey, come here, it's going to take what, 20 seconds? That's the key. Look at the, this. the key is, is they, that they have the replay in a matter of seconds. And in cases, if they, if they throw out every other case, the NFL now is, is going to replay for penalties, for God's sakes, which is, which is terrible. But in boxing... You know, if they if they just use it for the one instance, was it caused by a, a punch or a headbutt or some, an elbow or something else, um, that could change the complexion of, of fights and scoring and whether a fight is stopped or, or what have you. Um, I agree with you about your comments about the second uh, view, the second angle of, of that. But the only thing I will disagree about is, although it was not conclusive, the first uh, video that we saw, this certainly wasn't a headbutt, you know? So, I mean, I, you know, it, whether the punch caused it at that particular uh, moment was inconclusive, and then finally we, we saw that it was, but there wasn't a headbutt. It wasn't like there was an unintentional headbutt and then a punch, or a punch and then an unintentional headbutt. There was none of that. There was no headbutt. You know, I mean, they weren't even clashing heads at all in the fight. You know, like I said, towards the end, and I think fatigue had a, a major part of it. Um, I, I do believe that not only did, did uh, Harvey uh, blow it, uh, but the commission did uh, as well. I, I think that uh, uh, it was a mistake. As it turned out, it didn't affect the outcome of the fight, but it may have affected uh, the fighter, you know, Devorinchenko. Uh, but hats off to their corner. Uh, Stitch did a great job uh, uh, keeping that uh, cut under control for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what's amazing about this is that, um, you know, and now what do we, I guess this happens every weekend. I shouldn't be surprised. But um, how many weekends we in a row now do we have just grisly cuts? Oh, it that, was it was three weeks. We first we had first we had Tyson Fury. 
His was gashing like the, like the old movie Aeroplane. Um, then you had uh, uh, Errol Spence's eyelid was flapping around. I couldn't even look at that. And you had to point out how, how gruesome it looked on the big screen. Uh, and then this week, you know, I, I mean, geez, you know, uh, you're right. It's uh, And none of them was headbutts, right? They were all punches, yeah. right? They were all punches, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's such a gruesome sport, Billy C. <laughs> hey, but the, but at least we only had one of the guys sticking their thumb in the cut to try to make it worse, right? That was Otto Wallen doing that. But uh, speaking of uh, gruesomeness, uh, I got to get your thoughts on this whole Clarissa Shields thing because I do think it's 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 newsworthy. I think it's a black eye for the sport. I, I, I don't think there's any room in the sport for this. And like I talked with Emily and Dax earlier, and you included, we all know what's involved to even get on a stage or, or be backstage, so to speak, or, or even be at a weigh-in in terms of getting a credential issued and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I fault Clarissa Shields, number one, for uh, making it seem uh, glorifying uh, the type of actions that the Durrell brothers had um, most of the time for their fights, although it wasn't... Uh, I forgot his cut. His cut was bad, too, remember? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, bad. You know. It, although it, it, the last fight wasn't bad, but, you know, she seemed to, to you know, follow in the glorification of, of those. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, claiming that it wasn't anybody from our team. And then it's like, uh, hey, Clarissa, uh, it was your brother that did it. You know, it's like, um, what's your thoughts on that whole scenario? Um, well, it's extremely unfortunate, um, especially the fact that it was um, going to be a fight card from Flint, Michigan, and God knows that city could use it. Um, and not that boxing uh, should be looked at as trying to save that city. Um, our uh, political leaders have completely dropped the ball on that city, and it is a, an absolute shame of the nation what happened there so that but that's a side okay um i think that it's very unfortunate because it would have been a feel-good night and what happened was like the ugliest thing that could possibly happen now the thing about it i don't think there's actual video of what everyone's calling a sucker shot so i didn't see it um the thing is the video i saw did show uh um, the trainer, uh, Bashar Ali, Ali Bashar, rather, um, really saying some pretty dis distasteful things to uh, a member of Clarissa Shields' camp. I believe it was her sister. Now, it, it is clear that Clarissa Shields might not have known what was going on. You're right. Her first report, her first intention to sort of distance herself from it turned out to be completely incorrect. Uh, it was her fa it was her brother and one outlet I read said it was at the behest of her dad so that's certainly troubling I think what was unfortunate was that she didn't speak to Showtime um, I think if if I was one of her managers uh, I would recommend her to do that because what was most needed was some sort of damage control and I think what you needed for that was her uh, she had to do it. Now, on Twitter, she was taking a tremendous amount of heat. Uh, and her tweets in defense of herself were not that great. 
But I was, somebody mentioned she had a better post on Instagram. I read her post on Instagram and definitely uh, she handled it much better there. Um, I think that was sort of unfortunate because even though all the kids love Instagram today, I think she would have done herself a favor by talking as much of a jerk as he is, uh, talking to Jim Gray or somebody with Showtime um, to at least explain, hey, look, I am so terribly sorry about what happened. This could have been a great night. I'm responsible for everyone in my camp. I'm going to clean house after this. Uh, because if you read her Instagram post, I don't know, to me it does sound like um, uh, she's very upset and that it does seem like she, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a complicated issue because it is a family member. And Billy C., we all know, you know, you're not responsible for your family. So I do feel a little bit uh, sympathetic for her, but yes, it's an incredibly unfortunate uh, situation. Um, she's young. She has not handled these things all that well, and I don't think she handled this all that uh, all that well either. But I, I, you know, I hope I hope Showtime is willing to give her another chance. But I, they might not. All I could say is that whether um, um, he was the the trainer that got uh, punched, whether he was. Um, you know, saying uh, disrespectful things to, to someone or not and what caused him to do that. This guy's a veteran uh, of the ring, um, uh, you know, trainer, um, you know, a, a Manny Stewart uh, clone. Um, we don't know. But the truth of the matter is, is he, he does have the right to question certain aspects of a weigh-in. He's, he's the trainer. He's the chief second, oh, you know. So he does have a right. Whereas there are other people there, uh, specifically Clarissa Shields' sister uh, and her father and her brother, who are not part of the team, so to speak, in, in terms of training. They may be part of the entourage uh, slash team that don't have a right. I, I do believe that some of the blame has to be put on the commission for allowing so many people there. Uh, so it is an unfortunate situation. But I agree with Dax. I, I think uh, Clarissa Shields had it all going for her. I, when I met her at the Women's Boxing uh, Hall of Fame, you know, the first time she had a medal and seeing all the other uh, female fighters uh, just basically putting her on a pedestal and, and uh, you know, all the success she, success she had in the Olympics. Uh, she had the smile. She was a great story. I mean, she had it all going for her. And uh, she basically chose the wrong people to hang with, really. I mean, that's what it boils down to. And uh, it, it, she hasn't corrected it. And she's had several other opportunities to see what was going on. And then it culminating to what took place the other night is, is terrible. And for the handful of people that are glorifying it, it makes it even worse, especially for the sport. So I don't know if she's going to get another chance. I do think and agree with you that she needs to really focus on some damage control for sure. I mean, uh, there's no ifs, ends, and, and buts about it. But uh, in Well, any and event. that's the thing. That's, I think some of that also is the world we live in today um, that, yeah, you're absolutely right. there. I mean, because you could go on Twitter and you will see both sides in, in their 
fully disgusting glory because you have people supporting her saying, girl, you got to do whatever you need to do. And then there's other people that are just calling her uh, a thug and all kinds of horrible things. Um, so, yeah, it's um, uh, it's unfortunate. I hope that she makes the right move. I mean, I would hate to be at the Clarissa Shields family uh, Sunday dinner today because if I was her, I would be extremely angry if if the reports are true and her brother and father were involved in this, I would be extremely angry at them and probably making some major career changes in who I have in my corner because their actions really screwed her up. Now, I don't care, I mean, and this is true for life. Anyone should be able to say any ridiculous thing they want without being punched in the head. That was criminal behavior. Whatever uh, Bashar Ali said uh, does not mean he could be punched. Uh, you know, that's another thing that about our world today. A lot of people think if you say the wrong thing, you deserve to be punched right in the head. And um, I'm sorry, that's still criminal. Even though we, we like a sport where people punch each other in the head, they're both willing participants. You better just watch what you're saying, Alex. You're lucky I'm not there. <laughs> But uh, anyway, no, I'm, I'm, I'm making light of something that is very serious, and I agree with you. Alex, I appreciate it, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to you next week, brother. All right, Billy C., great to talk to you. Take care. All right, that's uh, Alex Papalian. I shouldn't have, my bad, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have made a, I shouldn't have jested. But uh, anyway, quickly, I want to give uh, uh, you guys a, 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 my thoughts on the fights next week that we will be talking about. Uh, two main, the main event, co-main event from Chicago, Dimitri Bivol against Lennon Castillo. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, Tyrone Spong is uh, fighting uh, Ole Oleksandr Yusik in his uh, heavyweight debut. I'll start off with the light heavyweight fight first. Lennon Castillo, uh, he's 31 years old. He's six foot two, 76-inch reach. He's rated number 98 in the world uh, for light heavyweight. His record is 20 wins, 15 coming by knockout, two losses. He's got a draw. He's only fought 89 rounds as a pro uh, with a 65.22 uh, uh, knockout ratio. Uh, his last four fights were against decent opposition. Uh, in those last four fights, he went 3-1. and one. Uh, All three of his wins coming by knockout. He stopped uh, Ronaldo Gonzalez, John Cortez, and Aaron Mitchell. Uh, but sprinkled in there was a uh, unanimous 10-round decision loss uh, to Marcus Brown, uh, who uh, was undefeated at that time. So Castillo has been in there. He's 31 years old. Uh, not a bad uh, opponent if you were talking about him fighting anyone other than Dimitri Bivol. Dimitri Bivol is the WBA World Light Heavyweight Champion. He's 28 years old, three years younger uh, than uh, Castillo. Uh, he's ranked number three in the world at light heavyweight. Number three. You know, how does a number three ranked guy uh, via the computer rankings uh, fight a number 98 uh, ranked guy? Well, only the WBA can tell you that because apparently uh, the WBA magically put Castillo within uh, their rankings uh, high enough where they could justify a title defense by Dimitri Bivol. Uh, he's six foot oh, uh, I'm sorry, six foot tall even, uh, so he's given up two inches there. Um, 
He's undefeated at 16 and 0 with 11 knockouts. He's a, he's got in 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 less fights. He's got uh, more rounds, 112 rounds, and his knockout ratio is slightly higher at 68.75. But when you look at his last uh, four opponents, they're really you got to consider them the best or at least uh, the top uh, light heavyweights in the division. Sullivan Barrera, he beat him. Uh, via a 12th round knockout. Uh, Isaac Chalimba, one of the, the toughest light heavyweights out there, won a 12 round decision against him. Jean Pascal, uh, who's uh, clearly uh, in comeback mode, uh, won a 12 round decision over him. And in his last fight, former world champ uh, Joe Smith Jr., uh, won a 12 round decision against him. How do I see this fight going? I don't see it being very competitive. I see Bivol winning the fight and stopping Castillo. Uh, Alexander Yusik. Uh, a uh, former unified cruiserweight champion and World Boxing Super Series cruiserweight uh, winner uh, is uh, officially moving to heavyweight. His first fighter, Tyrone Spong. Uh, Tyrone Spong is 34 years old. He's six foot two, 74 and a half inch reach. He's got a record of 14 and 0. 13 of his fights uh, coming by knockout. He's got 32 rounds under his belt. Um, he's uh, doesn't really have any significant wins, in my opinion, of his 14 wins. Uh, I'll give you three. I'll give him his top three W's, really. Uh, 2018, in February, he fought uh, and stopped Carlos Nassimito. Uh He also knocked out Santiago Silgado, who was a decent fighter, knocked him out in one round. And in his last fight, uh, he fought Jason uh, Minda, uh, knocking him out in the second uh, the heaviest he's ever been, which I think this is critical uh, statistic, is 231 and a half pounds. The lightest he's ever been is 218 and a quarter pounds. His average weight is around 227. Now he steps in with Yusik, uh, who's uh, actually two years younger at 32. Like I said, he was a former unified world cruiserweight champion. He's ranked number one in the world at cruiserweight. Thank God they haven't already ranked him at heavyweight because he hasn't even fought at heavyweight, although that may not be true because he has fought uh, at 200 pounds or more uh, at, at uh, four times throughout his career. Uh, and 200 pounds or more is considered heavyweight. His first and second fights, uh, 200 pounds, 0. 0.5, uh, 206 pounds in his second fight. And in his fourth fight, he, wore, he weighed 200 uh, pounds and a half. And you got to go all the way back to uh, uh, 2015 for his last fight that he weighed uh, over the 199-pound limit, and he weighed 200 pounds even against Pedro Rodriguez. Um, he uh, is 16 and 0 with uh, 12 wins coming by knockout, 125 uh, rounds uh, as a pro with a 75% knockout ratio. Um, the heaviest he's ever been was 206 and a half pounds. That was uh, in his pro debut. Uh, this fight's taking place in Chicago, and this will only be this, the uh, third time he's ever fought in the United States uh, out of his 16 fights. He fought uh, Michael Hunter in uh, uh, Maryland, and he also fought uh, Thabizu Michunu uh, in uh, California uh, in back-to-back -back fights in uh, December of 2016 and April of 2017, respectively. Um, how do I see this fight going? Well, I see Usyk winning this fight. Um, and uh, like Dax stated earlier, uh, being catapulted uh, in the heavyweight division. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I personally wish that he would have stayed in the cruiserweight division only because 
I think that the cruiserweight division uh, doesn't get the recognition it should. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, we'll be talking about that next week. So uh, hopefully uh, all you guys will uh, tune in next time. Same bat time on whatever bat channel you may be listening or watching. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Oh, before that, I want to thank Sal Rocky Senecola. I want to thank uh, Dax Khan, uh, Emily Harney, and my man Alex Papali, uh, all for their two cents. And uh, I also want to thank uh, my man Joel for his Super Chat, because Super Chats make this show go round. Hey, listen, make sure you tune in next time. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.